Amen. Good morning. Why don't you have a seat? Let's pray together. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. Those who intend to destroy my life will go into the depths of the earth. The king will rejoice in God. All who swear by him will boast. The mouths of liars will be shut. God, we come and we sing and we speak your words back to you and we pray and we yearn and we long for and we wait as we lay on our beds in a dry place, in a weary place, Lord. We thirst for you. We ask that this morning as we open your word that it would have its effect on us would bring life to our weary souls, wake us up, let us know how much you love us. God, we're waiting. We're waiting here for you. We bless you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks. Thanks, worship team. Let's give them a hand one more time. So if you are... First-timers, welcome. Glad you're here. We are in the book of Revelation. Um, and I want to start with this image again, and it's one we had early on, but it's, Revelation can get crazy, and it has <laughs> gotten crazy. And the beasts and the dragons and the judgments and the bowls and the trumpets and everything, so you're just kind of like, ah, it's like Alice in Wonderland. And you're like, what are we smoking? This is crazy. Sometimes it's good just to remember that it was this old faithful follower of Jesus walking on the beaches of the island of Patmos in prison because he's a follower of Jesus. And all around him, including for the churches, and this is why we can connect to this, it looked like Babylon. It looked like the world was winning. And this revelation came to him in this frail state. And I like to think of John as, if you remember the night Jesus was betrayed at the table, what was John doing? You can say it out loud. Yeah, he was leaning. He was leaning on Jesus. He was close to him. He was a friend. And he asked Peter told him to ask, but he asked, who's, who's the one he'll betray? He was close enough to hear Jesus, and he would call himself the one that Jesus loved. This is that guy. This is that guy who's been following the Lord his whole life. 
at one time was called a son of thunder because he wanted God to bring down fire from heaven on a city that wasn't obeying. <laughs> Oops. And now he's tender and he's soft and he's, he's just longing for God to bring, to, to tell me again, tell me one more time this is real. Tell me one more time this is real. And so the weighty, difficult, heavy, complex words come to an old man who just wants to be faithful, who then delivers it to a church and another church and another church and another church to say, hold fast, stay with him. Last week, Pastor Joe did an awesome job just leaning in. And, and we have what we call these little hallway conversations about, and you probably, if you've listened to our Behind the Sermon podcast, you kind of, we talk about this, but we stand in the hallway sometimes and we just talk about what God's doing as we're studying, as we're reading. And, and so I love those conversations, love talking about those things. And so Joe tackled one of the most difficult passages in the whole Bible last week with, and because you're at the peak of these incredible images of things that are happening, you've got beasts, you've got prostitute, you know, sitting on the city and things are going down. And so I wanted just to give real quick three, three or four verses from 17, because 17 and 18 go together. They go together. Romans, uh, Revelation 17, 1 Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute. I'm going to show you something that's going to happen. Who's seated on many waters, meaning seated over the nations, many waters over everyone. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. I'm going to show you what's going to happen to all of these people who have done this. So he gets carried away. Verse 3, I saw the woman sitting on the beast. And you're like... I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I don't know how to make this connect to my heart. A woman sitting on the beast and then says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you who these are. And I want you to have the image of who the beast is and who the woman is, just because that's who we're talking about today. That's what we're going to see what actually happens. But verse 8 of 17, the beast you saw, and Joe said this last week, it was just a beautiful connection. The beast was and is not and is about to come. And we know that that connects to the God who was and is and is to come. And it's this contrast. You're either worshiping one or the other. You're worshiping the one that is of the dragon and the beast, or you're worshiping the living God. And so verse 18, the woman is the great city. It's Babylon. So the dragon is Satan, the beast are the ones who do his bidding. It's political power. It's religious power. People worship it. And you have a prostitute, which is the great city of Babylon. Contrast to that, you have the lamb, you have the bride, the city of God, the people of God. And so this, it really comes down to very simple things that keep getting repeated over and over and over again, which is, where do you live? Which city are you living in? Which city has your allegiance? Which, are you with the lamb? Are you with the beast? Are you with the prostitute? Are you with the bride? Are you living in the city of Babylon? Or are you a member of the city of God? All the stuff that comes, it's repeat, 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 getting you to ask, am I worshiping the counterfeit or am I worshiping the real thing? Very simple, but complex in the way it's delivered. And so today we look specifically at Babylon. 
And I want you to care about Babylon at the end of it. I want you to know, ah, that is what Babylon is. That's what Babylon means. Now, Babylon could be definitely some future city that's just crazy, some power, world power that, that is ushering in the final day of days of the Lord. But we have to ask the question, what does Babylon mean now? So that as a setup, just want you thinking about those images and those people, but also that it comes to this guy. You don't have to be a biblical scholar or a theologian or somebody who's studied for years and years. You just have to be somebody who's willing to listen and to hear God's voice. So we'll jump in there, and I think it'll make more sense as we keep going. If you have a Bible, Revelation 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven. The earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen! Babylon the Great has Fallen, she has become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit. And you already should be thinking, am I living in Babylon? <laughs> if this is what the Bible is saying about it, am I living in Babylon? A haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. It's wilderness. All the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. Kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her. The merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Then I heard another voice from heaven, come out of her, my people, so that you won't share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. Her sins are piled up to heaven, piled up to heaven. And God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works in the cup in which she mixed. And you can't ever read cup in the Bible without thinking of Jesus on his face saying, God, if it's possible, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Is there any way this can't happen? The cup of God's wrath. And so here we have a cup she mixed a double portion, verse 7, as much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, give it to her. Give her that much torment and grief. She says in her heart, nah, this is no big deal. I'm a queen. I'm not a widow. I'll never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in just one day. Death, grief, famine. She will be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. For me, reading and understand Revelation is a lot like flying. What do I mean? I am not a good flyer. I don't fly well. It's annoying to me. I used to think it was awesome. I used to have, like, as a kid, I remember the first flight I had was on a Cessna. It was in Miami. We were flying to Jamaica after a hurricane had just done a ton of damage. First mission trip. I'm in high school. There's just me and this youth leader and this other guy. And we're going down with a couple of other people and we're flying in a Cessna from Miami to Jamaica. And it's six in the morning, it's black, the sky is dark, we're standing out there and the guy decides to give the pre-flight safety instructions to a first time flyer as we stand there. And it's like the, the thing's going, Meh. like you're hearing the buzz, you're standing there. And I'm like this, this is so exciting. And he's talking and talking, and I can't hear a word he says. I'm not paying attention. And all I remember him saying is, so if we go down, that's what you'll have to do. And I was like, wait, wait. I spent the whole flight 
sweating <laughs> because I was embarrassed that I didn't listen. And two, I was too afraid to ask. I, I couldn't enjoy it because I thought if we go down. So now I listen to the pre-flight boarding and I don't know about you. They stand up and now they've got the nice video sometimes to do it. But every once in a while, you'll see a, a stewardess or a steward stand up in the thing and they've got their little belt that doesn't go to anything. And they're like, Like, I mean, you're like, that's how it feels. You're watching this thing happen. And what are you wanting to do? Get back to your movie, your music. And especially when the system is hooked up to the plane and they come on at the beginning, they have so many things they want to tell you, don't they? You can sign up for this frequent flyer thing and this credit card. And you're like, I just want to watch my movie. Quit interrupting. And so I don't fly well. And I get uncomfortable. I know I'm not that old, but man, I have pain in my back, pain in my legs. I have to stand up and stretch. I'm one of those guys, you know, I'm like, if there's a nosebleed seat in the plane, that's the one I always have. Way in the back, a lot of times it's the bulkheads that won't recline, so you're like this, hearing the engine. You know, you do your normal thing. You walk in, you walk past, past all the people in first class who won't make eye contact. <laughs> you notice that? They're like, and you're like, that's what I want to do. I just want to like, what are you, how did you get this seat? Um, and if you do an international flight, I don't know if you've ever done one of those, where you see those people in those pod things. Oh my word. How, do, how does one succeed in life <laughs> to fly in a pod? And it's always the flight where it's just like, this is awful. My stomach hurts. I'm upset. I can't sleep. I can't get comfortable no matter what I do. And so then you get up and you walk around and you like, you look through that curtain and you're like, look at all those pod people <laughs> reclining at an angle. They have, and you just, all their stuff is there. And you, know, you see the people walking up. Can I get you anything else? Do you want another drink? How about another steak? Like whatever you need. And you're just like, I'm just back here with the rest of us. Festivus for the rest of us. We're back here flapping our wings to keep this thing going. And you're just laying down with your sleep mask and your ear. You know, I bet they don't have to listen to the pre-flight stuff. I bet their movies keep going. That's what I think. <laughs> so let's imagine in my dreams one day. Now, how does this connect to Revelation? Here we go. You're like, it doesn't. I'm like... <laughs> I promise it does. In my crazy mind, it does. One day I'm going to fly in a pod. Not because I have the money, but something's going to happen and I'm going to get bumped. I'm going to get upgraded. I'm going to be like, yes, yes, pod people. Here I come. Now I'm going to be laying there and it's finally, finally get to be on one of these planes. I don't know if you saw the story last week of the plane that had to turn around after two hours because of diarrhea all through the plane. On the floor, every, I was like, how does that happen? They turned around. They actually had the con to the stuff of what the pilot was saying. Yeah, we have a biohazard thing. We got to turn around. Sorry. But people like taking videos of it. So just look it up. That's what you got from the sermon today. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, let's say I finally get in the pod and I'm laying there and you, you finally go to sleep. You've had this amazing meal and you're, I can't believe I'm in the pod. And I'm, I'm completely, re I'm re I am reclined, like for real. And you feel this, just, just a little turbulence. No big, no big. Pull that nice blanket up. Tighten up the mask on your eyes. Push the, no, no. And then it's like, and then, whoo, 
And you're like, hey, I'm sleeping in the pod. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, ding, you know what that means? Seatbelts. And then if a little more turbulence, a little bit more rough, and things get intense, and all of a sudden, they come over the intercom. Hey, folks, we're going to have a little bit of over. You know, they start talking. We got a little turbulence. Sorry about that. No big deal. They play it down. When do you know to worry? When the flight attendants sit down and buckle in and they cancel service. And you're like, okay, this is real now. <laughs> this is real. And I will say this. I'm one of those every time I fly and I feel turbulence. I'm like, is this it? Is this the day? I just, and it's like dumb, but it is. Every time I'm like, is this the day? And I have seen and heard about, you know, you've probably seen or read about Sully, but there's, there are something that they say when it's going down. The flight attendants, as they're strapped in, they will say, brace, 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 heads down, stay down, brace, brace, brace. Heads down, stay down. And that's not that's all they're going to say until it happens. And as I'm reading Revelation, and this is starting to happen to me, where it's not just like, I wonder what this is going to be in the future. I am going, whoa, Lord, I am feeling the weight. Babylon is fallen, fallen, fallen. Brace, brace, brace. Heads down, stay down. Now that may not be happening to you in your spirit. But that is the purpose. That is the purpose of reading something like this. And, and then when we hear that, if we hear that over the intercom, what are you doing? You are, I, and I do this, whenever there's like serious turbulence, I like, I tighten it just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Brace, brace. So today, as you think about these verses, the ones we just read and the others, I want you to hear the Spirit of God saying, brace, 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 heads down, stay down. Why? Because this thing's going to crash. Babylon is no longer great. It is the damned city. It is the city that has been pronounced as fallen, judged, cursed by God. The big problem for us is it doesn't look like it yet. We don't see it yet. Revelation is about seeing behind the curtain. It's about seeing underneath the surface to brace in the spirit, to hear the voice. So this is part of faith and following. It's seeing behind the veil of the world, giving yourself to Jesus, what he says about his kingdom. And as I said, it's really about which kingdom are you a part of? Which one? Babylon or the New Jerusalem? You follow the lamb? Or do you follow the dragon? Do you worship the beast? Or do you worship the one who is the king of kings? A home for demons. A haunt. I love that. Three, three different times. Haunt for every unclean spirit. Haunt for unclean birds. Haunt. It's a haunted house. This, is, this whole place is haunted. It's cursed. It's overrun. It's no longer the envy of the world. It's wilderness. All the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immor immorality. People are in. They're in deep. This isn't talking specifically about sexual sin here, though it can include it. It's just the Bible's way of saying, hey, we're dealing with somebody who has 
had a one night stand and ruined everything and somebody who's at a wedding and committed. That's what scripture does. It, it holds it out in front of you to say, God says to Israel, why have you given yourself to prostitutes? It's not just saying that there was sexual sin. Sure there was, but it's everything. It's all of this stuff. The prostitute is contrasted with the bride. There's a brokenness about it. There's a using and a losing. There's no commitment, no faithfulness to covenant. I do what I want. I make money. It's mine. I protect my own and nobody else. And I'll mess up with anybody who messes with me. It's excess of power, indulgence, money, sex, greed, selfishness. It's our world, isn't it? It's our world. We don't have to be convinced of this. We give ourselves to the way of the world. Some of these are overt. The merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from sensuality and excess. We're like, okay, I get that. Others are more subversive and sneaky, like greed. We don't, nobody preaches about greed. <laughs> we kind of are all like, yeah, that's okay. It's okay. Just get, get whatever you want. Get what you can do kind of giving that expects to be blessed and served in return, self-indulgent, God-forgetting, pride-filled, rotten, false worship. Now, you, you still may say, you know, I'm still struggling to get connected with Babylon. It feels like pre-flight safety instructions. The stewardess is standing in the aisle, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> not quite feeling it. You know, for the first century church, it wasn't that way. Or any Jew up to this point, when you said Babylon, they're like, you know what? We were doing great, and you had to go and say the B word. Babylon. I can't believe you said Babylon. Why? Because Babylon is used 260 times from Genesis to Revelation. 260 times. Babylon was a prominent city in the Bible called Babel. It's just a different, different translation for it. That's where it all started. What were they doing? We want to build something for ourselves. Babylon was the site of the Tower of Babel. It's the capital of the Babylonian Empire. What was that place? That's where you went when you were disobedient to God. It's the place of exile. A place where Daniel and his friends remained faithful to God. It's the subject of countless prophecies through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and now you're hearing about it in Revelation. Babylon is the thing, the ways of the world. The term is so ubiquitous, ubiquitous through scripture that they all know it means this. You're living in the wrong city, on the wrong team. You're worshiping anything and everything but the living God. You're on team dragon, team beast. You're a goner. You had to use the B word. Babylon is fallen. So you may say, hmm, okay. I want to give you a substitute word for Babylon. It's not a perfect word. I'm going to mix metaphors. We're going to go from a plane to a boat. Babylon is Titanic. Titanic. And with the knowledge you have from history, what you know to be true about the HMS Titanic, if you were then in that time and you knew what you know, would you get on that boat? No way. <laughs> No way. And this is our problem. This is what scripture tells us. As a member of the human race, you are on the Titanic. 
And John is reiterating for the hundredth time the way Scripture does again and again, reciprocal teaching and images, this ship will sink. So in verse 4, God says, get off! (laughs) Get off! Come out of Babylon! Get off the boat! It's going down! But as we said, has Babylon fallen? Not quite. Her sins are piled up. God's remembering our crimes, but I'm looking out there going, she sure looks fine. Get off the boat. The city is damned. But the reaction you're going to see in the next verses is odd. Verse 9. Kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality, remember not saying specifically sexual immorality. It's a, it's a broad term to describe the given themselves. They're in. They're committed. They're soul ties to this thing. They've shared her sensual and excessive ways. They will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment saying, whoa, whoa, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city. And in a single hour, your judgment has come. Not just them, the merchants of the earth. They're going to cry. They're going to mourn. Nobody's buying our stuff anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood products, objects of ivory, expensive wood, brass, iron, marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fun flour, grain, cattle, sheep, horses. Oh yeah, and people. Slaves. Human lives. This is what Babylon does. This is how they trade. This is how they live. The fruit you craved has left you. All your splendid and glamorous things, they're gone. They'll never find them again. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, whoa, whoa, the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls, for in a single hour such fabulous wealth was destroyed. Every shipmaster, seafarer, Sailors, everybody, all who did business by the sea, standing far off, watching the smoke from this city going up, weeping, mourning, woe, the great city, where all those who have ships on the sea became rich for her, from her wealth. In a single hour, she was destroyed. I'm trying to watch a movie here, and you keep coming on telling me that the ship is going to sink. So Titanic is a permanent mark in our history that continues to draw us to its destruction. Was anybody glued to the news this past summer when the tourist submarine went down and became lost? I was. And not in a rich people, blah, blah. I was like, Lord, let there be a chance. Do you remember when the news came in and like they hear tapping? They're like, is it, are they tapping from the inside? We were in Israel and I remember I just kept reading and I just, it was just this weight of people and the thought of them being down there in the dark and afraid and lost and just hopeless. And I was like, oh, now afterwards and all this stuff, you know, you get online and people are just cruel and ah, it serves them right. All this kind of, you know, it's, but it's, it's just interesting They're going down. We can't help it. (laughs) We can't help it but look and be mesmerized and fascinated with Titanic. Titanic had amazing people on board. Influencers, socialites of the time, movie stars, heirs to the greatest fortunes, everyday people trying to do 
maybe a fresh start in America. It was promoted as the fastest, most advanced, and greatest technological achievement ever. And famously, unsinkable. Unsinkable. And we know this, you know this stuff. But I want you to connect it to Babylon. When you think about it, Titanic equals Babylon, Babylon equals Titanic. It was the marvel and wonder, the envy of those stuck in their life. You got a ticket? No way. You got a pod? You're in one of the staterooms? You're going on this, that's awesome. Oh, to have a ticket on that beast to America. I read a little bit about it this week because, you know, there's the movie, James Cameron did the movie, but the eyewitness accounts of how people responded to the news that the ship was sinking was surprisingly calm, very respectful to one another. It wasn't this, like that you kind of see in the movie of everybody like forcing. They were just like, they were playing music on board. The, the Titanic band kept the music going. The crew played it down. It's okay. No big deal. People are getting locked. But it's all you, after you. Go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. It's all, it's fine. It's fine. Nothing, nothing to see here. The kings of the earth weep and mourn, which I read fine print there. What? Are you kidding me? This can't be real. Titanic is sinking? No way. I don't believe it. I got a pod seat finally. I was counting on this trip. I was going to make something of my life. You know what? I don't believe you. I say, bartender, pour me another because everything is fine. It's fine. There's water coming in the bar. No big. No big. It's fine. I just ordered a drink at the bar of the HMS Titanic. Water's pouring in. Everything's fine. You're ruining my Babylon buzz. Raise a glass to Babylon. Scripture says, it's going down. The merchants weep and mourn. The stuff that was listed there as I read it, any of it sound familiar? Any of it still valuable today? Yeah. Food, money, people. Yeah, all this, that we have the same list. We have the same list. It's our stuff. It's the order of worship in Babylon. It's the menu for a great dinner in Babylon. And they're weeping and they're mourning because they participated. It was their livelihood. It was what they were bought into. So they're sad. They're sad about it. They're not upset or worried or anxious. Like they're like, how could you? How could you let this happen? This is our stuff, God. What are they ultimately saying? We're upset that you ruined our party, Jesus. The kings of the earth stand off and say, whoa, is me. Oh, this is awful. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's going down. Everything's fine, right? It's, it's fine. But God says, no, it's gone in an hour. And it's not a literal hour. It's as Joe told us last week, it's scripture's way of saying short. <laughs> it can be so fast gone in an instant. It's sinking in judgment. Water's pouring in. The kings of the earth and merchants are weeping, mourning. And one final thing, they are, this struck me this week. They're standing far off. It's this, I'm upset about this. I'm upset about this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stand back here a little bit. 
I'm going to step away from the judgment. They're standing far off and they're sad. What is that standing far off? Even though I've lived here, I've indulged in rebellion against my creator. I've loved every minute of it. I'm just going to step back a little bit. I'm fine. I'm okay because this can't touch me. I'm fine. That moment where we're like, well, I'm going to move on to something else. And God says, no, if you're in, you're in. If you're in, you're in. It's, it's who you are. It's about citizenship, one kingdom or the next. Last few verses make that point crystal clear. Verse 20, rejoice over her, heaven and you saints, apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. Then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, in this way, Babylon the Great will be thrown down violently and never be found again. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of a groom and a bride will never be heard in you again. All this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth. You had your moment. You had your 15 minutes all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. They were in, they were partying. They were like, pour me another one. But in this city, in this ship, was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all those slaughtered on the earth. We're going to look at verse 21 first. We're going to finish with verse 20 because it's a great place to revisit, to, to response, for us to respond. But I want you to picture this stone. This is, uh, Revelation is about seeing and feeling and hearing, not so much about, let me get out my schedule and write down exactly when and what is going to happen. Those things will eventually become a reality. But for now, it's about you seeing and hearing and understanding. And so I want you to see that stone thrown down violently. You can picture it, the object the weight of such an object sinking deep, deep, irretrievable, inaccessible. Yet is it there? Yeah. It doesn't disappear. It's really down there. Titanic sits seven miles down in absolute darkness. It's really there. We've all seen the video of it. We've seen the pictures Things that used to be treasured, valuables, clothes, probably the most expensive clothes from some of the people, money, the finest food you could buy. You can actually look up online the, the menu for those in first class that night, what they ate. I was looking at it and I was like, oh. <laughs> but for them, this was like, man, we're living high on the hog. This is awesome. Furniture, expensive things, and the most valuable people. Seven miles down. Seven miles down. Grandeur of a magnificent ship. It was. High caliber guest list. Money. Power. 
taken out by an iceberg. Not even that much damage initially from what they studied. Just, just kind of punching the side. You can do the research. There's stuff about the steel and wasn't quite whatever. It sank. <laughs> it sank. It was enough. But I think it was minor enough to cause people to go, huh, look at that. Well, that's maybe going to ruin our dinner. But not enough for them to be any more than just, hello, my dear, got my life jacket on. It's good to see you on the deck. Why don't you get on the lifeboat? No problem. I'll just wait over here with my friends. But as things progressed, as they started to understand what was really happening, and you had families begin to be separated, one famous rich guy went over with his family and put his wife and children on a lifeboat and they said, you can't go. And he's like, no problem. I'll just wait for the next step to side. Never saw him again. Never saw him again. And how long to take down one of the most advanced technological feats of mankind? Three hours. Three hours. Gone. Instead of a celebration of how far we've come, our savviness and intellectual and social advances as a society, Titanic exposed, as they studied it, extreme social inequality. Yes, calm on deck, but there were true stories about those below deck not being allowed to come up at the same time. the doors being locked, and then eventually letting them come up. It reminded us that this can all be over in a matter of hours. It reminds us that there is still that we have yet to figure out this one big problem, death. We can't fix it. Can you see it? Even if it's just a picture Titanic on the bottom of the ocean and to think about life as we know it. So when I looked this week, I saw not just the stone, I saw a rope attached to the millstone, the rope and the millstone, and I saw it wrapped around my legs, tied up to this thing. That's what scripture is saying. You're not, you can't stand far off. It's a part of you. You are either a part of Babylon or you are a part of the city of God. So we're invited to look, to listen, to imagine the sound, not even a big sound, Stone is already in the water. It's sinking, but I want you to imagine the swift whipping sound of a rope that is coiled on decking being rapidly unfurled. And I want you to see yourself standing there and looking down going, oh my goodness, it's attached to me. It's not a loud sound, but it's enough. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. Silence. There will be silence. The sound of life, music, laughter, people making stuff, making money, eating and drinking, gone. And darkness, the light of a lamp, will never shine in you again. The voice of the bride and the groom never heard in you again. It's a picture of people doing life. It's sights and sounds. It's lights. People live in houses. They have lights on at night. They're laughing, they're living, and you may go, this all seems kind of cruel. God, just let them do their thing. Why do they have to, why do you have to be so? <laughs> and I thought about this this week. Here's when you 
don't have to care about what God says about you. When you figure out how to create a human being out of nothing with your voice and design the intricate, unbelievable systems, just the physical systems, but also the brain and the soul and the spirit. And also, can you create out of thin air food and a ecosystem, uh, an environment that is perfectly situated next to, oh yeah, you gotta, we got to do a sun because you're going to need that light. You're going to need that warmth. You're going to need that light to grow. the. Oh yeah, dirt. We need dirt. We need plants. We need, ah! When you figure out how to do that, that's your permission not to listen to God. That's your permission to be like, whatever, Babylon has fallen. But until then, what he says and what he says about this place, man, we better listen. We better listen because it's not said in cruelty. It's said in deep love that has, it's not that there's just the dragon. It's that there's the lamb who has given his life. We may think it's unjust, but there is justice in this calling Babylon fallen and it's sinking. 23 and 24, all this will happen because you were the nobility of the earth. You had your moment. At this time when John, our old guy on the beach, Rome was so powerful. Rome is in ruins today. It was just one type of reading this and understanding this, but Babylon's to come, maybe a super Babylon in the future. Either way, opposite of being a part of the kingdom of God. You don't just do life in Babylon. You're literally in league with the ruler and God of Babylon, the dragon and his beast. You're a part of it. It's the opposite of the bride. It's the prostitute. You give yourself to this. In doing so, you worship what is anti-Christ. There's no messing around. Titanic sits seven miles down. So are your imaginations stirred a little? Hopefully. That's what Revelation is supposed to do. Just get you thinking and seeing. The visions are extreme on purpose. On purpose. It's part of the beauty of the Bible. It should be hitting you at multiple levels. You need to see it. You need to feel it in your soul. And then verse 20, we'll finish with this. Worship team, come on up. Rejoice over this is what God says. Rejoice over this. Heaven and you saints, apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. Babylon is out to destroy you. Even at the end of 17, you see the beast and the woman and all of a sudden they start fighting each other. Why? Because evil self-destructs. Evil takes itself out. It's destined for failure. Rejoice that you belong to him. So how are you responding today? Do you hear Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God possibly saying? Maybe to you it's rejoice. You belong. You know Him. Amen. <laughs> you know Him and He has won your heart and you have had His record and life transferred to you. But because the gospel is not just about getting your sins forgiven, it's about a kingdom. 
It's about a future. It's about a future city. You can rejoice. It's possible, though, that some in this room might be hearing this. Brace, brace, brace. If so, help is here. Jesus says, you want out? I'll get you out. Done everything you need to get out. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you just uh, stirs my imagination and visions and uh, maybe to the chagrin of others of some of the things that I think of, but um, it's helped me. It's helping me to connect what I can touch and see with my eyes and the things I feel in everyday life, like getting on a plane and wondering if, is this it? But also truly wondering, what is it going to be like in your kingdom, Lord? It's not going to be floaty spiritual stuff. It's going to be real. Your kingdom is not of this world, and yet you incarnated into it. You have flesh. You're fully God, fully man. Lord, your word says you still have scars to show us, victory scars. So Holy Spirit, do what you need to do in our hearts and lives this morning. God, let us hear your voice. May Babylon be connected deeply to our spirits. May we understand what you mean when you say it. And God, take, may we take an inventory, spiritual inventory, vital signs, whatever it takes, Lord, to get us to respond to your spirit, the call that you have on our lives to walk with you, to be a part of your kingdom, to be your sons and daughters. We love you, Jesus. We uh, thank you for this wonderful mystery of how you work in us. Pray you would use this time of worship to uh, keep doing that. Amen. Let's stand and sing.